Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey there, Sleuthers. Aaron Noonan, great to have you with me. It is the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco again. Uh, this week, it's my chat with Craig Lowndes rolling on. Last week, part one, we covered some good ground. This week, part two, we cover some really good ground as well. Now, this pod was recorded at Triple Eight Race Engineering in Brisbane. We had the boardroom all to ourselves. It was probably a little overkill for two blokes with two microphones, but anyway, it was cool. Now, we dive into heaps of cool stuff on this podcast to give you a little bit of a taste tester before we get into it. We talk about Bathurst 2006, that emotional uh, mountain weekend. We talk about his helmet designs. There's some cool stories there. Some cool stories of tackling the Aussie Safari off-road event. He opens up about his driving future at Bathurst in supercars, about offers with other teams, offers from other teams, offers that didn't happen from other teams in the end, uh, the new era of Triple Eight. And that famous 1996 Bathurst hangover and Juan Pablo Montoya. Uh, CL also tackles the National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions as well as the top 10 shootout. So buckle up, it's time to start Craig Lounge Part 2 on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. And we start by talking about one of the most emotional Bathurst 1000s we'll all ever experience in our lifetime. We, we can't not talk about 06. Bathurst and you've talked about it a lot and, and you've been asked about like this this running out of angles to talk about and, and, and stuff like that. Do you reckon of all the Bathurst races, that's the one that's most fitted to being made into a doco? Because it's got all those storyline angles to it that you just – what other year has that stuff? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think that uh, regardless of the result – but even the lead in, like I remember where I was when I got the news of Peter, but then two weeks later then there was Steve Irwin mm. and I remember being Victoria at the time. We're actually delivering pizzas because we had pizza deal. Oh, Domino's pizza Domino, deal. Domino's yeah, yeah. pizzas um, when we heard the news of Steve Irwin. So you, you got a very clear image and I'm sure everyone, whether it was Mark Scaife, uh, Jason Bright back then, anyone that was you know in the Holden world, would probably remember exactly clearly where they were at that time, and then you go into the, the week of Bathurst and and, you know, and the car that Holden put out the back for people to sign and had dedications, uh, all that uh, concrete wall leading into Skyline where everyone had, mm. had dedicated and time to, to sign, and, uh, and and it was a damn shame that the, the council painted over all that. They should have taken that. Like for me personally, my opinion should have taken that wall out, replaced it, put it in a museum because mm. it is part of a mu- museum history mm. um, of all the passionate people that come. Anyway, that's another story. But, uh, you know, Scaife being the favourite, having pole position, Bridie being beside him. So it was the, the battle going on um, and, and we were sixth. So, like, we were, we were there thereabouts but we, did, we weren't there for, for our speed. And then, and then to have the parade before the race, the minute of silence, which you know, I talk about, there was not a bird chirping. Like it was yeah. actually eerily yep. silent. Yep, totally. Um, and then what I didn't realise is as, as the race unfolded, the Bev had come in and said, look, you know, 
basically that she knew that we were going to win at that point and it was halfway through the race. <laughs> I was in the car at the time so I didn't, even, I didn't know any of this until after the race. Uh, to have the, the gap at the end, 0.05, between Rick and I, uh, you know, sun coming out at the last lap because, you know, it was under cloud for most of the day, all the stuff that you – I'm not superstitious, but when you start reeling off these stats, you know, well, something's going on. There's something in all that. Uh, I don't believe <laughs> – there's – I can't – what the label is to call all mm. that stuff – Karma, hmm. um, a sign. Uh, I, I buy into a bit of that. I, I think there's something in that, and, and of course you. And I think about because at the time, um, do you remember at that time when Holden used to have that blimp? Hmm. They were flying it around yes. at all the events and footy and racing and all that sort of stuff. And the day that Brock died, I worked for Pla- Tim Pemberton, Plastic. Yeah, he passed yeah, away yeah, a little yeah. while ago. The, the long-time Holden PR guy, yeah. uh, ripping bloke, just drives chips. Classic old school PR guy, and you, you yeah. worked with him over the years. Um, in his office, I was the only one there that day. And, and at the start of the day, I got there and I looked out the window, and the Holden blimp went past, and I didn't think much of it because it was everywhere at that stage. So we we're in Albert Park in Melbourne. Of course, what happened happened. Mm. The news came through. We go into you know huge amount of work to you know start dealing with all of this stuff yep. that was going on with the news from Perth. And at the end of the day when we were rung out and the phone had finally calmed down and the deadlines had ended and um, all the journalists and the newspapers and the TV had stopped arriving with camera crews or ringing up and the emotion of the day had sort of grabbed, I went, oh, I need to go to the loo, I need to, just, I need to just get away from all this, I need to go and get a drink, whatever. The Holden blimp went past like a bookend of the day. So <laughs> I, I buy all that, I, I believe all that stuff yeah. that, oh, you know, no one sent the the blimp for me to see at the time, but I just no. went, it's just one of those things that you go, right I'm place. always going to remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Like that was, yeah, that was, wow, strange. Was- oh, absolutely. And then then also for me was the uh, driving the XU1 on the parade lap. You know, we were Ford. Jeff Pilates gave me approval to drive it, which was fantastic. I was going to drive it anyway. Um, <laughs> and But, you know, Jeff Pilates always knew, he was about passionate about the sport. Mm. Um, and yes, we're going to have rivals, um, but there's some things that transcend all that. Yes, commercial uh, clashes, yep. Holden Ford, yep. sponsor clashes, tire contract clashes, yep. all that sort of stuff. Yep. And there's special, unique scenarios and special, unique people mm. that that happens with. And that was, I mean, that will never be repeated. Like no. you know, what happened that you know he's but person if he's standing the way it'll happen. That's once in a lifetime, that stuff. Oh, absolutely, ever, ever happens. Yeah, absolutely, ever. and that, that's and as I said, like you, you think back of the the race unfolding. Um, for me, it, it, things happen for a reason. You're right, um, and but they fell our way. The spotlight obviously always is on the end because you're in the car at the end and and mm-hmm. win the race. And Roland reminded me in a chat that I had with him this week, and it was a really pivotal moment in the race. It probably gets overlooked but it was a crucial part of the way it all unfolded, was Jamie's pass on Todd Kelly on the restart in his last stint, like lap 100 and whatever it was, yep. where he just pounced on him yep. on the restart, Bang. up the inside turn one yep. to get the car to the lead, to give it to you, to bring it home. And that probably gets overshadowed in that whole story of how pivotal that moment was. Not to say that you couldn't have, you know, made a pass later on, but everyone kind of forgets that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, Jamie was still sort of semi a rookie he, I remember him being on the podium. Actually, actually had to fix up his collar, um, <laughs> but he, um, 
I don't think he appreciated at that point, at that time, how the enormity and how big it was for me as, as part of the history of what Peter... Because Jamie and I grew up in the same go-kart club, literally a suburb apart. He was in Greensboro, I was in Plenty. Um, you know, his dad... Uh, sorry, his uncle, you know, used to race. His dad was so involved in the business of motor racing and Jamie. So it, I think for Jamie, he was still just wanting to win races, mm. not mm. Pre- probably appreciating the, the the emotional side of behind the scenes what was going on. Which is a, probably not that he was ungrateful or un, mm. just that age and where yeah. you're at. And, and that's a pretty enormous moment to, yeah. to soak in winning Bathurst, let alone adding all of that extra stuff on top of it all. So. And probably, to be hindsight, it probably was was a good thing that he mm. wasn't thinking about that. He mm. was just focused on race car, mm. fast laps. Do the job. I love the end of the 07 race. <laughs> that, that wet finish, <laughs> you, Stevie J, JC, uh, Murph in the yep. Tasman car, uh, Alan Simonson, the late great Alan Simonson in yep. the other Vodafone car. Yep. Um that's one of the best finishes. That that was intense. Well, that was, was unbelievable. It was funny because uh, Stevie J and I actually talked about it and he commented he would pass me on a certain lap. I can't remember what it was. But bugger me, he did. He passed me on the lap that he, he t- we talked about being wet. Well, we had an altercation at the start of the race and I was quite lucky because the, the bead of the rim or the tyre off the hadn't broken off the rim but it, we had contact and actually half sort of peeled it back a bit. So I was actually quite fortunate it didn't have a, like a, a flat tyre at the start of the race. But Oh, was this the 08 one with Murph? No, it was 07. Oh, this was, you had another one in 07? Yeah, yeah. So oh, we, we, we had a couple. You got away with so <laughs> much stuff. And, uh, and I remember uh, Stevie J saying that oh, I'm going to pass you on, you know, jokingly, but it bugged me he did. Like I can't remember, it was like a hundred and, lap 100 and... 40 something. or something. Yeah, it was yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was late in the race. And then I passed him back and then we, yeah, we, we sort of – and then Alan Simons, as you said, like there was a big crash at the top of the mountain. Mm. Uh, Scaife, Scaife and it, yeah, yeah. The Ingle, they Ingle. all went on into yep. the into McPhillamy. So uh, – and Alan was behind them and did a fantastic job to get around them. So, uh, yeah, that was a great battle in the wet because we were on slicks and we were sliding around everywhere. <laughs> we were trying to find traction. Scaife, it was, it was so good. It, it was a classic – you know, you, you play, and it goes right back to the bit where Winterbottom fires it off at the chase as well, because it all went back to there. Like Crompton nearly had a heart attack, like commentating it. If you go back and find the tape, oh, so. I was sitting, I was standing in pit lane waiting for him to come in. Oh yes, and he's like, "Where in the hell are you?" And then I look up the big he's screen. He's in the sand went, trap oh. at the pit entry when yeah. he ran it off. That's right. Because yeah. he tried, he tried, he, well, he, you know, trying his best, overcommitted. I think they ended up using that vision in a Vodafone ad the next year, from my did, memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, one of the things I think one of our um, readers might have asked this too. So I'm probably cannibalising the questions um, from the National Motor Racing Museum cat tracer questions that we do. You and Brock never drove together. No, you're in the same team, yes. but in separate cars. Yeah. Uh, who did not think of the merchandise, the memorabilia, <laughs> the, the the history that could have been done there just for one, just for one year, you two? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, like nothing on my side. I you know, just I think with Thomas Mazira, uh, I took Thomas's spot, so they sort of I think may have felt a bit. Um, what's the right word? Um, Respectful of Thomas and putting him with the Brock all the time, and then I was with Brad, and then Murph, and then McConville. Mm. Um, 
and then you know even Scaife, yeah, 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 MS and I, which it carried him because all shoulders still. Um, <laughs> well, the funny thing, like he he popped a rib out. Oh, in the Vodafone car. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah go through the dipper. Which is interesting because you, you fast track to this year and you're obviously driving with Declan. So Declan and I and Scaife and I very similar heights, but Scaife and Declan are mixed up. Like their body composition, they got short torsos, long legs. Mm. So Scaife's the same. So we actually had a two-stage steering wheel in the column that I could push the steering wheel away from me because it was like up my nose and then I was reaching for full throttle because he's got such long legs. Mm. So Declan's the same. Like he's got a booster seat that he puts in my seat so he can see over the, over the dashboard. <laughs> but, he's, but we stand side by side and we're, we're identical height. History repeats. Just mm. a younger bloke getting, yeah. getting an opportunity. But then, but then Scaife, yeah, like to do his rib, loosened the seat belts because he couldn't get like enough leverage and went through the dipper and landed on the wing of the seat, popped a rib. Mm. And I didn't realise and appreciate at the time how bad he was when I first did my first double stint, which is what I was supposed to do. Then I did a triple stint. Then I did another half a stint. Mm. Just carried him. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure there's plenty of people out the back of the pits who want to have a crack at putting the rib back in. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they still do. It's not out, but they, they might have another go at it. They might have another go at it. Um, football. Hmm. Essendon. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. I've always just loved red and black as colours. And... No real reason? No. I just I like talking about football. I think I've said this in a couple of different pods along the journey mm. that football is a bit of a – it's a common theme and thread that – of, is of discussion among motorsport people, whether the AFL or NRL, depends on which state you're from and, and, and what I've you're had into. To learn the NRL team. I was going to say, have you picked an NRL team? Did you? Uh, no, we've done so. Actually, to be honest, we've done a lot more with uh, the Melbourne Storm than we have with anything else. But that mm. was back in the Billy Slater, Cam Smith era. Mm. Um, you know, we've done a lot of stuff with them and uh, in the past. So now Lara loves purple, so it's definitely a Melbourne supporter. Well, she's a Frio supporter she's too. She's also a Frio, so you so can't help that. Yeah, right. Well, um, you know. No, but Essendon, I've just always, like my my mum was Collingwood, uh, dad's Essendon, so maybe that's part of the reason. My brother is Melbourne. Which, oh, well, he's a happy bloke in the recent times then. Well, yeah, he's been miserable he's for He's been a miserable time. for many years. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the thing is, is, like, again, like uh, I, my background with Brock is I went to the same high school, played football AFL at Diamond Creek, which was arguably one of the, the toughest uh um, basically, not clubs, but but uh, leagues. Uh, who, was, was there anyone you played with back in the day that made it in AFL, or anyone that uh, went on? Or? No, no, no. We're all duds. <laughs> um, but no, but I, you, we we used to like when I say we, Brock and I used to go to down Diamond Creek Football Club and and have reunions all yeah. the time, or go to uh, Hurstbridge High and um, do the same thing. So. Uh, and like the ground at Diamond Creek is just a little bit shyer of the size of the MCG. So we played on a big ground. Um, took a long time to get from one end to the other when <laughs> it was an all-in brawl, that's for sure. <laughs> you, surely you ran away from that. Surely you were not in those. Well, by the time I got there, it was already, it was over. already over. So <laughs> I just had to run all the way back. You can't get suspended if you never got into it. <laughs> but the thing was like you talk about football, like I actually went to the Collingwood District draft. Oh, yeah? And went out, uh, where were we? Out west somewhere. And, yeah, basically, yeah, got drafted to a you know, training camp and then um, didn't, get, didn't get picked and that was my bit that done. That was it. What, yeah. was your, what was your position? Centre half back. Centre half back, like that, that linchpin mm. set it up and. Well, I was this height when I was 14, so I was yeah, quite right. you're, tall. You're a big kid. Yeah, I never grew anymore, but thank God. Um, so I was always tall, so I'd always ruck the back section Give the um, 
the ruck, our ruckman a bit of a break, and but then our centre half back was good because I could float around and, and sort of you know at least I wasn't on the wing when I had to run everywhere and everywhere and nonstop. Mm. Mm. The Luke Hodge of Diamond Creek, you know, just mm. directing traffic from. But that's from why people there. think like, I still get it today. Like you know, like because Brock was an avid Collingwood supporter. Oh, hardcore! And Huge. like everyone goes, oh, you're a Collingwood supporter. I've never have been. Oh, they think it is because of the Brock link. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm not. Uh, good. I'm Essendon. We'd be out there. Well, I'm Hawthorne, so we've got issues, mate. Yeah, I know. There's, there's long-seated rivalry there. There's grand finals and there's line in the sand and there's We used to have actually in here, we used to have a wooden spoon. So our physio, Chris Brady, works well, works at the Gabba and worked on some of the lines with the lines a couple of times. So Jamie sort of floats. He, he's everything. Well, he's Hawthorne. At his core, he's uh, Hawthorne. No no, 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 seriously. Like back in the day before he was a Queenslander, he he's he, no no no. I have heard he was a Hawthorne supporter he before he came here, but well, he's probably he's probably jump ship. Yeah, he's floats because when we had the Homebush race, we used to use the GWS areas for recovery. So he'd become a GWS supporter. So whoever was better, Hawthorne or GWS, he'd float. So we had Lions, Essendon, Frio, and wherever Jamie was at at the time. So we used to have a little wooden spoon like battle going on each year. <laughs> <laughs> I love footy. It's just it's it's great, but I could never play it, so I just watch it, <laughs> talk about it, and all that stuff. We talked before about the trophies in here and the cabinets, and there's some great stuff on the walls and mm. prints and photos, and oh, there's there's so much stuff. Um, and I always love asking our guests about this stuff, about memorabilia and suits and helmets and keepsakes. Some guys are total hoarders, have kept every single thing from every single year, then other blokes at the other end of the scale and girls and guys are really like, eh, whatever, a bit like the cars. Oh, yeah. It's just like a work uniform, you know, no, not fast. Where are you on that and what's your most treasured stuff from over your career? Uh, well, to be honest, I wish I had my time over again because I probably wouldn't have let as much go in the early days. As in like giving it to people no, as thank even, or, or even putting donating it or? Even putting it in a contract like you know, now I, I keep one of my suits every year because just a memory. Uh, I don't have a lot of the HRT days. Um, because they were big on their hours, not yours. Yes. Which wasn't just you, it was all yeah. the drivers. Um, yeah. And trophies to that matter for them. Uh, that I would have probably liked to do. Helmets, uh, there's only been a f- probably – I almost say half a dozen or so that I, that have either I've given away in the early days. I had one stolen in the really well, early, 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 early the ninety four Bathurst helmet, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we, we did a story on that yep. on the website a while back, but we still haven't yeah. turned up. So anyway. that that was at a gym. I was at the gym in the morning in Dad's car, and uh, yeah, they broke in, took the helmet. Um, but the rest of them, I got it, most of them at home. Mm. So I generally try and keep all my helmets now. Um, a race suit, and I box up the race gear, like your polos and jackets and all that stuff, um, they actually had to buy uh, a shipping container just to be able to store them in. <laughs> well, um, you've got a few. You've yeah. read around. Well, I've got to get to a point where I actually said to Lara not long ago that we've got to get to a point we've got to get in there and clean it out and, and maybe downscale a little bit. Um, you know, you can't hold everything. And, yeah. like in, and again, like all the trophies, majority, 99% of the trophies I've won are here. At the, at the mm. workshop, again, uh, two reasons. Like we don't really advertise what we got at home because, you know, we don't really need other intruders no. um, and no. they get cleaned and polished here. Mm. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reason. That's a very logical, logical <laughs> thought. That makes 
One million percent. I've got other things to do. Why, why give yourself a job? Of, you, you'd virtually get through them all and have to, to start, start again, again because yeah. it's dusty again. Like the Sydney Harbour. Paint one end, work Go again, start again, go down the line, <laughs> coat hanger again. Yeah, yeah, this is this is very good theory. This is very good theory. I like it. Hey, tell me about your, your helmet um, designs over the years because – it's a driver's ID. Like it's mm. because we can't see your face. It's yep. what stands out about you, particularly from open wheelers, but mm-hmm. obviously in in supercars too. Tell me about you, the evolution because I remember that um, that those HRT helmets that you had, and then it evolved a little bit later. But you had like a core mm. design. Where did that all come from? What was it all inspired by? When I was in England, um, yeah. uh, I actually uh, stayed uh, with with the gentleman. Um, when I did the Formula Ford Festival in 93 and I had just a plain white helmet that back then and the two weeks that we were over there because we did the race prior to the festival at Brands Hatch, uh, which was the international race. Uh, then we did the, the, the festival itself the following week. But then the two weeks that we were over there, um, the gentleman I was staying with actually, he was a bit of a designer and a graphic designer and we just came up with, a, a, I reckon, 15 different helmet sort of shapes, designs. And I like this one. Um, yes, it was the green and gold of Australia that, that, we, that I started with. And, but that C or that sort of curve around the side of the helmet across the front had always maintained. Um, I actually had to get rid of the green off the helmet when we went to Red Bull. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Red Bull requested the green come off. Uh, we've done some – every now and then we've done some different colour – uh, changes, but but basically the design is always maintained the same. Mm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the green side of it had to go because of Red Bull. I think a lot of our listeners are, are interested in this stuff. With the helmets, can you just put whatever you like wherever you like, or did the team own a part of it and the team sponsors go there, or you get your bid, or how does that all work? And I guess is it different for everyone? I guess. well, it's been interesting. Again, we've had good support around us the whole time we first started, even back in HRT days. So. The interesting thing for drivers, which some don't appreciate, is is your your image and lightning is valuable. Mm. Um, so in the early days, I actually trademarked my signature, my helmet, uh, and my like well, the, the livery of the, livery. the, the helmet, the yeah. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, people always like to try and um, rip it off. Rip it off. Yes, yeah. probably the right word to say. Yeah. But yeah, so we've actually trademarked everything we have for a long time, mm. um, ever since. So for me, it, it's Again, Red Bull tried to own my helmet, and I said, "Well, sorry, no, it's mine. It's my trademark." Mm. So, you oh, know, as in own it, as in yeah, like change if you look, it to a if full you, Red Bull livery. Yeah, if you look yep. at Shane and and Jamie's uh, Brock's, they're always very similar. And remember, Rick Kelly had a Red Bull personal deal, and he had a Red Bull yeah. helmet. Yeah, yeah. and they and look good on them if they if they want to do it that way, and Red Bull want to do it that, way, it's fine. But I've always had my own identity from my helmet. So the point you were making about positioning of sponsors, it's really the basically the negotiation that we have with sponsors and say, look, you, they're there and there. Um, like a car, you basically mm. got your, your your price range and you try and marry it and make it all – the big thing is trying to make it look good, not just – Slap stuff on it. Slap stuff, yeah. In yeah. the early days, I actually used to have a helmet. My helmets were all stickers. They weren't painted. But yeah. The base part was painted, but mm. there were just all stickers all over it. Mm. So you could actually utilise and change up the helmet when you wanted to, but, of course, now with rules and regulations, with adhesive and everything else, structure of the helmet, 
you're paying them all, which mm. then becomes a bit of an issue. If you, you lose a sponsor, gain a sponsor, whatever, move a sponsor, you've got to get another fresh helmet. Can't just slap a sticker over it. Can't put a slap a sticker over it. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be way easier back in my day. Yeah. Back in my day. But so, yeah, so the point is, yeah, we try and make – and what we've also done with you know, – all the teams we've been with, especially here with Triple Eight, is join forces with the, spon- the current sponsors on the car. Mm. So you're not, you know, you, uh, again, you're not having a monster with against a Red Bull. Um, you've got to make sure that you don't have any conflicts. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, no good. Yeah, no, no good. Le Mans, mm. is that the thing on the bucket list that you haven't been able to do? Keeps getting away from us. Yes. Mm. Um, oh, for sure. And we've had a couple of opportunities in the last probably five years, but then, of course, COVID kicked in because it was probably just before COVID it was starting to get momentum. Um, then COVID kicked in and, we, of course, everyone didn't do anything for a while. So just trying to re-energise that at the moment, um, trying to find something. TV world have always been good. They've always said if that you know if that does come off that they're happy to release me. So, again, it's just making sure that, you know, you're in a, a right car at the right team in the right moment. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, I'm not arrogant enough to say you're going to get straight into a prototype one for your first first year, but to do something with a GTE or, or some sort of... That's what makes sense. GT car. So you learn the, you learn the event, you learn the circuit. Hmm. And it's interesting, like, you know, we talk about the Tail and Bend's track and it's the same length as Le Mans in the big, the big. The big one, but it's got twice as many corners. So Le Mans, well, I think Le Mans is about 13, 12, 13 k's from memory. Yeah, and it's got like and seventeen the corners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where the Ben's got the same distance, but it's like got thirty four corners. I'd get lost there because all those roads all link oh. together, and you go, "Where am I going? Yeah. How how do I get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back to the pits." How? Yeah. <laughs> like we lost a super ute a couple of years ago when they spun off and they ended up at the other, other end. Did they go on the other track? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, this is good. I'm winning. There's no one else on it. <laughs> Where is everyone? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, something's wrong here. Mm. Something's really wrong. Uh, so is there anything else on the bucket list? Well, you've, you got to, Because now you're in a position where you're not full-time supercars. Yeah, yeah. Your, your calendar's more free. Yes, you've got the TV stuff, but, you know, if there's something, I'm sure that they would, would work in with you and, and be able to help make it happen. Is there anything else out there that you'd actually like to have a go at now that you, you're not tied to 13 rounds of driving a Commodore or a Camaro or whatever it might be supercar at the time? Uh, uh, oh, to be honest, actually, Lara and I have been talking about this the last couple of years. Like, you know, it'd be nice to do the Fink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you did the safari yeah, stuff. Yeah, did so the safari you, side you've, of it you've and got enjoyed that. Key's wheel and his uh, – Well, you won it, didn't you? Well, the first year, we were fourth in the second year because I put it on its side. Um, Means you were know, just having a go, that's all. Well, yes. <laughs> I actually screwed up, but anyway. Um, but, yeah, like Key, Keys was great. Like he, he gave us an opportunity to do the Australasian safari in WA. And, and it's interesting talking to even Warren Luff now doing a lot of the Amarok Oh, yeah, he's doing the off-road, yeah, yeah. So he's doing a lot of off-road. He's, he's really enjoying it. And, he, and we both agree, you do more seat time in that style of car than you do in a supercar or any other circuit racing. Oh, yeah. Because oh. you're doing like four, 500 kilometres and then you've got to get to the next stage. Yeah, so, it's heaps. Yeah, so I actually really found the, the safari beneficial because just the seat time scared the shit out of me because I'm sitting beside a person that I've never had someone in the car or the cabin with me why I'm racing, uh, you, talking to me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. telling me, telling me basically uh, to slow down, cock, slow down. <laughs> that sounds like keys. That's like yeah, and it's like, but the, it, and again, the other thing, part of it was not scared me, but it kept me on my kept me on my toes, is not being able to pre-run anything. So you yeah, literally, it's, it's get, all new. You get your booklet 
the night before, he, he, co-driver, navigator, blah, 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 goes through it, left, right, left, right, danger, blah, 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 and then we head off. And yeah. I remember one of the stages in the first year when we won it, we're going down this long, dusty track, like it's literally two trails, Left of us had pine trees. Right of us had star picket barbed wire fence. We were flat in the silver and the in the Colorado. Um, and Keys always used to wind people up. No, it's used it's a stock six liter Chev in the front of it. Stock, it's all stock. Yeah, yeah maybe the badge on the top was. Um, anyway, <laughs> we we were good for like 220, 230 kilometers an hour. Um, so we were tapped. We were on the limiter in, in six gear, flat out. And I remember looking into the distance because he kept saying to me, like, just drive to what you can see. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said to him, what's our next call? He goes, oh, three kilometres to 90, 90 left. I went, okay. And I said, three kilometres. He goes, yeah, 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 three kilometres. And I said, you sure? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm looking in the distance and I can see this yellow and black bunting. And I said, and it's left, 90. He goes, yep, yep, yep. The zero car that goes through to, to pre-check everything had screwed up the distance. So oh. I was on the brakes pick like and and that and that sort of gave me the wake up calls like all right you can give me the information but i'm still going to register it and, and drive to what i can see what my eyes tell me yeah, i'm going to yeah, yeah. trust more and then yeah by the time i got back to the bivouac that night um everyone was complaining about that section of the of the road book because it was way out of whack it wasn't just you no no no, no. it was it was yeah. it was a zero car that hadn't pre-checked at all so lamar fink yep like having some fun in like a TCM car or I don't know, something like that where there's no pressure, no one expects you. It doesn't matter if you don't win or run at the front or whatever, just for the fun of driving something fun. Well, get Roland to get his Camaro out. He's, he's got, still a, got, he's got yeah, a 68 yeah. Camaro. Yeah. Um, that'd be fun. Like we take it to Norwell. We have, we have a bit of skids. Some of our team members here and crew think they can drive. Stick it in the ditch. Um, not going to name quick, names, quick. Dutto. Um, but yeah. Is there photos? Is there photos? Oh, there probably would be somewhere. Yeah, this was nice. a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe something down the track. Um, the thing is, 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 to be honest, like we all know motor racing is dangerous, is, is making sure that the, whatever you drive is safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lara keeps telling me I'm, I'm not getting any younger and I don't bounce anymore. Mm. I break. Mm. So even riding dirt bikes now, there's a cutoff period the team have now put in line for both Shane and I. In terms of the calendar? Yeah. Yeah. So basically end of January, that's the deadline of- So Christmas. Christmas. Because there's enough season. time before the Enduros that you can yep. recuperate yep. and, and whatever seen, brakes can fix. Because you've had, had this happen before, haven't you? A number of times. Yeah. And Shane's had it a number of times now. So mm. uh, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't set the program off well and he's continued it. <laughs> Was it 2016 or one of those years just before the start of a new season and you one of those years you tumbled off, didn't 96. you? 96. Oh, yeah, oh, well, the 96 was 96. before Bathurst. But yeah, split my up head here, open. Up here at Triple Eight, there was one year too. You came off something and busted something just before the start of a Had season. Had a so. uh, non-displaced fracture in my wrist that um, we were doing an activation with Red Bull and uh, just happened to be on motorbikes, dirt bikes, and, uh, yeah, I had an off. And uh, I, well, it was just a stupid little thing, but I put my hand down to, to brace myself and actually it was on my right hand that I'd had a, yeah, a fracture, but it was non-displaced, so I just had to race with a brace on. Mm. That was at uh, Townsville, of all great places. To have it. <laughs> yeah, where, where you turn lots and it's yeah. fast. And it's, and it's bumpy. It's bumpy, yeah, 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 <laughs> which, is, which is totally... And I had uh, to learn how to sign left-handed. So oh, anyone, anyone out there has got a, got a really, really wonky, wonky autograph, it's a Townsville left, special. My yeah. left-hander special. <laughs> 
<laughs> Surely you should have test driven that before you. Uh, you well, started. I actually was okay. I can't do anything left handed. Well, like I was going to. I was going to be okay, but the team, like, and especially the physio Chris, was saying, "Do not use your hand, my right hand, for anything but drive. Like, just rest it. Like, it just needs rest." I'm like. Surely I can sign things. I'm not. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, but the problem is, you sign like eight thousand autographs every weekend. Yeah, but compared to you know yeah. most others, I'm so. gonna, you had to get in a race car and steer it as well. So yeah, like, that's true. That's anyway. true. That's true. Um, how long can you keep doing the big race every October? Like clearly, you can. You know, you're, you're up again this year. It's your three hundredth round mm. at Bathurst this year. So congratulations! You'll be the first driver to ever achieve that, which I think is an amazing achievement. How much longer can you do it when, you know, you're not doing it full time? It must get harder each year, but that place has got such a pull. So how long can you keep doing this for? Uh, good question. I think there's two things is you're still enjoying it and still fit enough to do it. So um, I've already had Roland in like <laughs> at uh, Taylor and Bend, you know, as you mentioned, he's really excited about running the team. But he does it and he does. He used to do it to me every year, start of every year that I was do, driving at full time. He'd do the big, oh, look you in the eyes and then look you up and down. Oh, so how's your fitness going? And you go, yeah, yeah, bugger off. I've, um, had, I've, had, a, I've had a Christmas holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my fitness, because I remember one year at the uh, end of the year at Newcastle, I remember we were having a team dinner and and I was trying to be uh, you know quiet and down the back corner and sort of you know, away from everything. Next minute, Roland gets on the microphone. He's had a couple of um, character building um, drinks. Reds. Reds. Yeah. And basically, my name got read out and it's like, What are you going to weigh next year? And I said, Less than you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not that hard. Um, but yeah, no, but Roland, as I said, no, Roland's keen for Bathurst this year. So, uh, you know, back training like heavily. Um, but it's, it's about the enjoyment. I think it's, it's a point where if, you go there and you're not competitive or you, or something scares you or you're not doing your job right, that's for me is going to be the, the telling factor. And I've been doing plenty of miles outside of race weekends, Super 2, uh, working with some customer teams, you know, doing some other stuff. So seat time hasn't been as good as last year because we're doing the Porsche Carrera Cup. Mm. Um, we missed out doing that again this year, unfortunately. Um Try to do that maybe next year. That might be back on the calendar maybe. Um, but, yeah, seat time's valuable. Mm. So, And we even said internally here, like when you retire, your first 12 months out of the seat, you still got it. Um, you know, you still muscle memory in the brain and everything else. But now for me it's, what, it's been 19, 20, 21, 22. So it's been four years since I've been out mm. of a full-time gig. Yeah. Um, see what happens this year. Like I've got a contract right now for this year and next year. So that's that's a given. Uh, then that'll put me almost 50. So I'll just have to sort of see where I go. Um, two more wins would be perfect. Well, it'd be nine, <laughs> the magic number, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Um, and at least then if you, you've got a deal for next year, so they can put you, if it's a wild card or if they need to put you in one of the Red Bull cards, you know, yeah. there's that flexibility that you can yes. you can do any of that sort of stuff. Well, the, th- the thing is with people asking me about this year, like you know, obviously I was the fifth wheel. Mm. Like no one really knew at the time if Jamie was going to drive wasn't going to drive, depending on how he transitioned into the boss's seat instead of a race car. Um, he's now come out and said openly that he's going to be driving with Brock. So that put, put me in <laughs> So he gets a, to drive with Brock, but you never got to drive. Oh, no, the other Brock. The yeah, other, the other Brock. Brock. Yeah. Um, and basically, you know, the, the super cheap wildcard car came up and, and it's, it was great for me because I actually now get – it's almost full circle for me because I now get to drive with Declan um, and Declan Fraser's, you know, a young Super 2 driver and it's almost – 
I'll be walking in there with some emotions because it's almost like what Brock did with me back in 94. The, I'm going to be doing the same now, Declan. The kids now with the kid kid. Yeah. 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 And Deckers, Deckers, you know, great young kid. He's, he pays his own way to go to race weekends to listen and learn. He sits in debriefs, pre-briefs. You know, he's leading the, the Super 2 championship at the moment. He's, he's a bright young kid. Got a great future. Um, but it's just a matter of where he goes to next because at the moment, you know, supercars, there's not a lot of seat availabilities. Mm. And we've got all this great talent coming up through the ranks Cam Hill's yeah, our other Super 2 driver, but then you've got others in, in the mix, Aaron Seaton. Um, there's a whole raft of Super 2 drivers that are going to get to a point where there's a brick wall and there's no opportunity to go any further. Mm. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Do you reckon it's better to pull up with a bit left or to squeeze a lemon dry? Not just in, for your Bathurst career, mm. you know, your approach to life and stuff like Some people retire or in sport and things like that or from their business. Mm. They go, no, it's, I still could do it. I'm still good enough. Happy with that. Or I've given everything, nothing left. Where do you sit on that? Because everyone's a bit different on that. Oh, stuff. look, to be honest, I would have loved to have another 12 months as a main driver, but the writing was on the wall in the sense of where to go, what to do. Uh, you know, I've been with Triple Eight for a long time because I'm loyal to the team. Roland gave me a great start. You know, we've never, every time we've negotiated, it's literally here it is, modified, like a couple of things done, sign the deal, let's get on with work. Which is always a sign that when things are easy like that, yeah that it's the right scenario yeah. for both parties. Yeah, I would have loved to have another 12 months. But, again, saying that, Roland always said he'd never run three cars. He did for me. So And he did for three years. Yeah. So, yeah. there was, as I said, the, the writing was on the wall. Could I have gone to another team? Yeah. There's other offers there. Full time. Um, full time. Um, but, again, it, it just you look at the, the, the everything that's involved, just not the pride or the ego to drive a race car. It's everything that's involved. Um it was going to be a massive undertaking to move. Were you tempted at all? Uh, you looked into it for sure. Because you've got to look at any opportunity yeah. and anything. It's what anybody would do. Uh, but yeah, uh, look. And every now and then, I get opportunity. I get I get calls up to do things with other teams now. Hmm. But it's like as I said, four years out of the seat. Things evolve. The one thing I don't want to do is get. If if I was to get back into it, is to look like an idiot running at the back of the field because, hey, I've been out for four years, everything's evolved, moved on. Um, and, and, again, not, not taking away from Marcus Ambrose, but when he came back, I think he was surprised how much the category had moved. Mm. Um, you know, he thought he might have been able to slip back into it and he, he admits that, you know, he just was at a time that he had other things going on in his life. Mm. So it was fine for him. Yeah. What's uh, – you've been doing telly since you stopped driving full-time, been driving a bit of other mm. stuff here and there as we've, we've sort of discussed – when we finally not going to Bathurst to drive in October for you and your mm. televisioning or your whatever else, have you got any other things in motorsport? Like, could you see yourself being involved in a team or as an advisor or a um, in a role or you know staying here doing you know more of that type of stuff that you do so much of? I mean, before our chat today, you've been mm. out to some of the Triple Eight sponsors here in Brisbane and getting around and and meeting and greeting and doing all the stuff that you are so famous and so great at. Do you feel that's your 
post-driving role in the sport? We're sort of already doing that now with the team and, and again, it's obviously new with Jamie in the helm um, but also Jamie and Jess. It's a duo. Like, mm. like you go out there now and you look at the desks. There's two desks, not There's one. There's two desks, not one <laughs> big one. Um, but, you know, even you come into the workshop now and there's a new – Color scheme on the on the building, you know. There's there's things going on around here. Everything downstairs, it's got a bit of the Jamie Wing Cup flavor or touch to it's it. It's a now. new era. It's, it's a, a new, new era. era. Yeah. Um, but also part of that era for me, and you know, again, I was talking with Roland about it before he decided to sell out, and we have have now with the negotiation because we had to do it with Jamie and Jess is having that mentoring role within the team. So I'm still, I did it last year with the Super Two guys. Um, with Brock Feeney and um, Angelo Maziris, uh, doing it now with Cam Hill and uh, with Decker. So I'm already transitioning into that role here in the, bu- in the building. And again, you've got the commentary on top of that. So the biggest thing for me in commentary is, is having a, a wider scope of who's who in the zoo. Mm. When you're when you're driving, you, you don't care you, you about don't anybody. Give a, don't give a shit about anyone it's else. You, it's you. all about me. <laughs> so now you got to link out. Oh, hang on, there's other about twenty other four other garages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not all about you. And and it's and it's it's the transition into TV world has been interesting because of that side of it. Or you got a producer in your ear going, "All right, go down, you know, find Will Brown, ask him what, well, why did he screw up, or that was a great lap." And, and then you got to think about questions in your, on on the run or. And, or we get a producer in your ear, Larko's gone over, so you, you're not. That happens all the time. Though. I know, I know. <laughs> you go before Larko, not after Larko. Exactly. Um, or Larko's not ready. That and, happens too. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to fill and you've got to, you know, I've got to think of questions on the, on the go. And I've, I know I've done it and I get told when I do do it is sometimes you make a statement, not ask a question. So, mm-hmm. again, everything mm-hmm. in the back of your brain's ticking away and then when you interview someone is thinking of the answer they give that might lead to another question, but the question you've already got leading your question might be the right one, might be the wrong one. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these things going around and buzzing around your head. Welcome to our world. Yeah. Mm. And then you've got yourself that sits behind behind everything, feeds Scaife all the right information. Everyone thinks he's a genius. He's a dud. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, it'd, be, it'd be akin to me trying to drive a race car. It's, it's, you get skill sets in some things and then it's new and you've got to learn it. It's just, it's just yeah. how it is. Oh, it is. But it, it's been good, though, in that sense of, of you know, calling events, pit lane reporting, being on the desk, thinking about it. And, again, my problem I've created myself is I'm a politician when I'm in a car. You never answer the question. You skip around it. Now I'm having to ask the questions mm. that the driver doesn't want to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. again, your mindset changes, which has been quite fascinating. And you know, you just keep prodding them in different angles. Yeah, to get it's, the, it's about get the, angles. Yeah. It's, it's about approaching it in a different way every time to make them feel like they're actually not getting approached a different way again. But, but also you, have your say. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. be constructive any criticism, not just criticise people for, for what it is, but then see – and my role too is also, like you're saying, is like I can look at the car and go, all right, the attitude looks this, this or this, knowing what it feels like inside the car. Yeah, been there, done it. Yeah. Know exactly what it looks like. Driver screwed like. up and he won't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that never happens. That never happens. That <laughs> never, never happens. Say that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, one of the things, the word uh, transcending the sport, it was Brock. It was you, i.e. that the fan or the, the, the general public know. They're not in a car racing, they're not in a Bathurst, but they know Brock, they know Lowndes. Who's the next one that can transcend the sport in the current crop? 
I, I can't help but feel it's Chaz. I was going to say but, Chaz, but and I felt like you and Chaz are you know you get along pretty well. So, but to transcend the sport in the modern world, you can't just be the the great guy, the great talker. You got to win. You kind of got to be the champion. You got to be the flag bearer. Do, do you see it that way too? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the downside supercars have at the moment and be critical, like SVGs dominating mm. as a TV hat on. We all hate it. Mm. Because we want to talk about something, but it's not new domination eras. No, no, you no. dominated it, for a period. Yeah, Scaife yeah. did. Yeah. Ambrose did. Yeah. All that no, stuff. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Shane. He's doing an absolute mega job. Mm. Um, but then his personality does, sometimes doesn't come across as a friendly person. He's not a media performer. He no. doesn't want to be. Just he, drive, just wants he wants to, to drive, drive cars. Race cars. Yeah. We get it too. But so, yeah. you kind of got to have one with the other a bit too. It's you all do. part. Of and and Chaz, like, look to be honest, Chaz is probably the current. Out of all of them, because he's flamboyant, he's he's outgoing, he likes to talk. But you're right, he's got to win races. And mm. look, he's employed by Walkingshaw and Dreddy to win races. Mm. He's not. So you got to almost start putting the back of your brain going. The clock must be ticking there for what they do, like mm. the team. Do they replace him? Do they stick with him? Do they give him a prod in the electric prod in the ass to get him going or what's to go because he can win races. Mm. Um, but to get back to your point, you know, Brock Feeney seems to be really good uh, with the media and the people. Uh, Will Brown's, you know, he's great. He's the other standout too. Yeah, Will yeah. Brown. He's not in a profile team. Like they no. you know, had some good results last year. But what we see, he's won in everything he's come through mm. and he's got that like he, he, remind, he reminds me of you, young, that with that laconic, happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know he's got that sort of that sort of stuff going on. Oh, and and I was going to say Dave Reynolds, but the thing with Dave, Dave's funny when he's not trying to be funny. When he's trying to be funny, correct, he's just, he's just a dick. He, he says stupid. Well, yes, when he tries to be funny, he's not funny. So yeah. Dave, just be Dave. You'll yeah. be funny. Dave, easy, you're, Dave's easy. funny. I agree. But anyway, um, other than that, uh, who's coming out through the next ranks? I look. Good question. Um, and it really, to be at the end of the day, comes down to the individuals that want to own it. Yeah. Like, and again, what we do so, and we talked about this back in the TV world, is we don't have that villain and good guy at the moment. We had, didn't have the Ingle scaife. No one wants to put the black hat on. We don't have yeah, the Murphy back in the day. It yeah. was, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. don't have that ang- that aggro, but it's there though. It is there. It's there though. It is. It needs to be dug in and highlighted yeah. and primed. Oh, absolutely. And then like. You take completely Townsville, Anton trying to shake hands with Shane after the race and Shane walks off on him. Like Great the, theatre. Yeah. But then you talk to them, it's like, oh, no, they're all good. We're all good. Yeah, no, no. That's got to carry on. Like, yeah. You go back to Ambrose and Scaife. How many run-ins did they have? Yeah. Scaife and Ingle, that's the highly publicised one. Yep. Who did you have run-ins with? I mean, oh. you and Rick is kind of the, the one that a lot of people. Oh, we even, did, yeah. It was what happened out of it all yeah. that, that, that that came through. But that gave fodder going into the next season and, hmm. you know, all this stuff, that early to mid-2000 period with all those big personalities hmm. in big teams, Scaife, Ambrose, you, Ingle, Murph, you know, Hard to see us getting back to that because we're in a different world now. We're yeah. just in a, in a different world. So a lot of these supercar – and I think it's a disappointment too that there is a perception that all the drivers are boring these days. They're all – they can't handle it. They're all this. They're all that. Many of them – they're actually funny guys. They're actually interesting guys. Hmm. But I think sometimes just a TV camera goes on and it 
falls out because there's commercial pressure and there's sponsors and there's this and there's that and they sort of mute themselves a little bit kind of to the default because the industry's kind of pushed them there in that way. But we sanitised it too. Yeah. And that's the problem. We got like drivers are scared to speak out, A, to get fined. But when was the last time a driver was fined for speaking out? I think that's almost like in the driver's heads. Uh, it's been a long time since it – well, I got Dave Reynolds the, got – I got fined one. at the Grand Prix for putting the sport at a disrepute. What did you do? What did you say? I just, well, it, was, it was actually – I said it, uh, it was something that got the line's life. Basically, uh, they, they got the result that they – Stewart's got the result that they wanted. Oh, there was one on the Gold Coast too yeah, when you got done for doing the, the burnout burnouts starts. Burnouts, yeah. So, yeah. The, again, like it's entertainment of the sport. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying what I mean. But I think they've always been very clear in that you you can have your say about the other driver, hmm. the other team. You can't go the umpire though. You can disagree with the decision but you can't personally criticise the think umpire. Agree, but there's got to be something that allows – teams or drivers to be able to have a say about they don't agree with the decision. Oh, but I don't think there's anything stopping that, though. But, I think it's but, all in the fences yeah, within our own heads sometimes, maybe. But, 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 yeah, like I had run-ins with Garth many a times, um, Scaife sometimes, um, Ambrose, Ingle, Paul Morris. He was the worst. Like, if you hit Paul, you knew you are going hit, to get hit back twice as hard. Mm. Because mm. <laughs> he was just that type of angry, yeah. angry ant. Like yeah. it's just, but that's we've lost some of that. Lost some of the. Even when you look at Shane, the way that he commands the races, it's almost like the drivers. He gets behind the drivers and they go, oh, "You go, you go." Yes, yeah, that's a common thread too. But in, in some instances, for the other drivers too, if your car isn't capable of fighting him, well, he's going to get you, no matter whether you know. Whether Lewis Hamilton's driving that car, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, but the thing is, is like if you hold them up long enough, their front tyres, whoever's yeah, behind, yeah, yeah. heats up. It cascades. And we've, we've seen it a couple of times this year with Shane when he's under pressure, like at Darwin, he makes mistakes. Like he's yeah, human. yeah, he's like human. We all, we all yeah, make mistakes. Yeah, so yeah, um, you know, I, th- I just think that the drivers need a bit of angry ant back in them, a bit mm. of mongrel back in them. Mm. Again, Ingle, yeah, you always knew that Ingle was going to. Well, well, he he. He readily accepted and put on his head the black cap because he went, well, I'm going to make a mark. Mm. And he made a mark. Yeah. Like, you know, he, 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 he was the, that guy. He was the enforcer. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, look, it's a case of we could talk about these things forever <laughs> and we haven't fixed anything of it. No, but no. It's, a, no, it's because we care. It's because we care about the game. And I reckon there's a great opportunity with Gen 3 and the new era coming. Obviously, we, we farewell the Lion after the Adelaide 500 and this year's Bathurst 1000. You've been a big part of that story. But that's over. Mm. We will always respect and admire and celebrate what it was and, and, and what it did and, and the legacy and that sort of thing. But we move a new era. Mm. We've got these fat cars. They're going to make noise. They're going to be sideways. They're, and forget all the – look, the whole Gen 3 project and the issues and the problems and things that have been written about and what's gone right and what's gone wrong. That, that can be what it will be. But I reckon we need to belt out of the blocks next year loud and proud with what we are of supercars. We, we can't play the Holden Ford card anymore. It's about, we've got to go back into the drivers more, mm. which we've been going there over the journey. So I reckon that's where there's probably time for almost that. It's like when V8 Supercar, the brand started. When You, you headed to mm. Europe, so you sort of headed off as the brand started. There was an advertising campaign. Mm. You know, I won't try to sing the song, but it was like, 
the gods of thunder were coming to, you know, the next round and whatever, whatever. Hmm. But it had a rock music song and it was 30 seconds hmm. and it got your attention. We kind of need to re, you know, re-encapture a bit of that type of hmm. brand and essence to just thump it out there and, and you know, really hit the ground hard yeah, and, we, and put the drivers more and almost position them more yeah, yeah. as, you know, we might need a bit of Mike Raymond here. We might need some nicknames, <laughs> mate, you know. Yeah, we actually a good point. But even like, yeah, we had Pink as an ambassador. Like we, but, but we got did an ad, got paid piles of money, and that was it. Hmm. So, yeah, but gave it a bit of awareness in, into the. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah but, it did, but you're right. Did. Like, yeah, we need. Did to you put meet it. her? Were you in that ad? No. Oh, you got left out of that. Yeah, one. I did. Oh. oh, thought you had a good story for me. But. No, I didn't. Oh, no, okay. bugger. Sorry. Oh, no. I, thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me some story about she's really no, great. No, 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 but you're right. Like I think at the end of the day we we got to try and promote the sport for what it is. Um, we we, we shot a capture of of G, like Holden, but now we're going to a GM world. Mm. And the Camaro, like the cars look great. Like both oh, they, Mustang. They'll be fast. They'll be exciting. They'll be Mustang loud and, and yeah. proud. Yeah, it's you know, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Got some questions. Okay. National right. Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions, by the way, um, with our good friends up at the museum at Mount Panorama uh, that have a Monaro that is um, straight, thankfully, um, despite you trying to change that. Uh, Victor Petruno's question, which of your teammates did you get along with the best? Best? Uh, probably Neil Crompton, Brock, because he was a, like a mentor. Uh Jamie, like in the end of the day, Jamie and I still got on extremely well. So those probably a couple, yeah, three. Yep, yep. Um, get Got a lot of questions about the Cortina. We've kind of already covered the Cortina mm. as well. Um, aside from your work on the supercars, broadcasts, the driving that you do, the triple eight stuff, what else do you spend your time doing? You've got some other business interests, resto approach. We sort of covered a bit of what you've From slowly but surely yeah. been doing resto, but what else is filling your world? To be honest, like now I'm out of full time. I'm, I I hated being in a desk or behind a desk. Now I actually spend most of my days behind a desk, which is what <laughs> I don't like doing. Um, so I'd rather be outside. But yeah, generally my my days sort of get up in the morning, train, uh, you know, get behind the keyboard for probably the first half of the day or so, catch up with what's going on, uh, and then to be honest, whether it's a function I've got to go to or do something here at the at the race team. Uh, if I'm lucky enough to have uh, sort of the, some time in the afternoon, I'm literally just in the shed tinkering with cars. Mm. Simple. Yeah. Got a bit of everything going on. Kevin Martin, love this question. What happened between winning Bathurst 1996 Sunday afternoon and the famous morning after pick of you and Gregory Murphy Monday morning? Well, the whole thing was is at the end of the race on Sunday, there was no talk of a press uh, media call the next morning. Which is commonplace these days. They, the winners do it every year now. But yes. back then it wasn't a thing. No. No, it was literally pack the truck, go home. But we do, we decided to stay at the Leagues Club until very early in the morning. Uh, I know that Murph and I were very, very hungover. Um, Paul Weisel, who was the PR guy at HRT at the time, decided sometime in that early, must have been that night or I can't remember what time it was, basically sent us a message saying, boys, be at the track at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, of course, I think we actually just literally left the Leagues Club, went back to our room, got changed, uh, put some deodorant on so we didn't smell like alcohol, went back to the circuit. And got back in your race suits, which I'm sure still smelled of champagne. Yes. And so that probably that probably covered the other the, alcohol. The <laughs> and it's, they're famous press photos. Graham Neander took them, who was the, <laughs> the guy that did a lot of um, Holden press work at the time and 
uh, I can't remember who was slumped on the ground. Like, that, that, was, that was Murph. That was Murph. I was, and I you was were at least up, sitting upright. I was leaning up against the car. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Was, Wally uh, had driven us to the circuit, obviously, because we couldn't. Um, but, yeah, like back in those days it was literally pack up, go home, go to the next round. Now it's, yeah, the winner's got to go back to Sydney, you've got to do a whole press mm. thing for a day. And it's like not not that it's a chore but it's like you know it's coming. Back yeah. then we had no idea. Yeah, and I think there's been some good winners in previous like recent years who've still lit it up pretty well and may or may not have arrived at the sunrise cross or whatever it is the next morning. Hmm. Still pretty happy with themselves, let's put it that way, um, yeah, yeah. and flying high. I think Chazzy and Lee might have been. Uh, yeah, because we were, we were still in the caravan out the back when they were trying to do their their pre-call, if you want to call it that way, before they went to air and they were both laughing and giggling and literally rolling around the ground. <laughs> Which I was doing exactly that. I was just laughing at them and they're like, Lee was shaking his head going, oh, I shouldn't uh, have. He should know better. He's been around. Oh, no. But you know what? When you win Bathurst. Oh, exactly. You've got to let rip. You've got to absolutely have a good one. Uh, Elliot Beaton, 97, not the greatest year about F3000. That's been talked about, obviously, Montoya and Helmut yep. Marco and all that sort of stuff. Who else was in that field of note that our listeners would, would remember? Because everyone seems to just talk about Montoya all the time because he was your teammate. Ricardo but, Zonta. Yeah, who raced Formula One with uh, BAR and Jordan. Tom, Tom Christensen. Who won Le Mans 98 times, I think it was. Um, who else was there? Runs Red Bull. F1. Christian Horner. Yeah, Christian Horner. He was around that time. Yeah, Christian yeah. Horner was in the yeah. in in uh, he was he actually did I think five of the six, or five or six races, thirteen races. Hmm. Yeah, so he was Christian Horner was on there. Yep, there's a fair lineup of people there. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was former three thousand was huge. Um, Matthew. Yes, it was. was Max Wilson in it around that time too. Max Wilson was in there. Uh, who else? Oh, now you make me think. Hell of a field though. Like, oh, yeah, hell of a field. Yeah, and it was. One of those things that uh, great experience. First time I've been out of Australia. Yeah, so it was, yeah, a hell of a field. Yeah, you're among some big gurus, mm. big gurus there, big egos, big checkbooks. Bit of that going on. Um, or just know the mafia. Oh, what's that? What? What? Or just know the mafia. <laughs> Montoya. <laughs> yeah, you admitted he know, you knew them. Oh, we well, ran the car the whole year without a sponsor on it. Just had his number two on it. Plain white car. Plain white car. Yeah. Right. Have you, ever, have you ever come across him since? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 97? Yeah, where, yeah. where have you come across him? I come across him when he was doing uh, when he was racing Williams at uh, Melbourne Grand Prix. Um, when yeah, a couple of times at the Grand Prix. We have a bit of a laugh and a joke about the times. Like he was my most hated teammate, but we have a laugh and joke about it now. Good you can laugh about it. You know, the interesting thing was was when Adrian Burgess first came here to run the Triple Eight. Yeah. Adrian ran Montoya at Williams. When Adrian was there, yeah. and it was interesting because the first thing I said to Adrian at the time, I said, "Does Montoya still go and eat McDonald's everywhere?" And he goes, "Yes, we had to stop him do that because <laughs> that was his thing. Montoya wanted to have McDonald's in every country and every place he went to to see if they were all the same." And were they? Probably not. I don't know. His figure shows it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going through all these questions and I yeah. just keep finding more Cortina questions along the way. <laughs> well, what but, what is um, one of the questions? Lots of questions about Cortinas, wanting just to know about the Cortina. There's plenty to know about the double O stuff. Um, the Cortina, I, I ordered and bought a quick shifter from the UK. I came, Lara hates it because <laughs> now it's a quick, like, proper quick shifter and it's literally bang, 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 little four-speed. Once a racer, always a racer. Yep. Uh, if you won the lottery, which of your old supercars would you have that you drove, would you love to buy? Sarah and Thatch asked that question. Mm. So we're going to make you pick. 
96 or 06? Um, oh, to be honest, it would probably be 06 because mm. of the history but with the Brock thing side of it, it'd probably be the 06 car. Matt Hayward has got a question. Both Holden and Ford have released Lounge Edition vehicles. Do you own either of them? There's a Falcon Lounds Ute, wasn't there? And yes. there's been a, a Commodore as well. Yes. So, so we did the the Falcon one was more of a basically a decal sticker kit on it, same as when they did Ambrose, the Enforcer, as well as they did one yep. for Ambrose. Um, don't have any of those. I do have um, a Commodore in the Lounge range that we did in uh, recent years, wasn't it? Yeah, 14, I think it was, way back yeah. then. Yep. Yep. Ian Wells says he met you when you are in Glasgow hmm. for the classic Monte Carlo rally, which you did in, a, in an old humpy hold. And what are your memories of that? That was a really cool thing that you did. Yeah, that was, that was out of the blue, to be honest. Um, and that was to, to recreate history because it was 60 years since they'd originally done the Monte Carlo rally, which was three Aussies running a um, FX Holden um, in the classic rally. And, and to be honest – if, again, memory serves me right, they were actually almost in the classifications but they screwed up the last couple of days and they all ended up hating each other and fighting. <laughs> so Because they were Lex, Davison, Lex was, Davison was one of them. Tony Gaze. Tony Gaze, who was Australia's first Formula 1 Grand Prix driver. <laughs> yep. Um, and there's the link in all of there for, for those who might not know, we paint the picture, that, that, that Lex obviously – Passed away after a crash at Sand in the sixties, and Tony later married Di, Lex's Lex's wife. So, yep. and of course, uh, Will and Alex are grandsons of, and Richard's their dad. And yeah. Rick, you got tied up to Richard, who was involved in the, the recreation. Yeah, and then Stan Jones, so yeah. Alan Jones's father. So, there's all three of them that started in Glasgow, and we literally recreated the whole scenario from Glasgow, which we started had a big black tie dinner to begin with. Um, um, if you had a photo of this gentleman, I'm, I'm sure I remember him because it was bloody cold. Yeah, we I were, do. He actually has posted a photo uh, on our socials. There's you in your Red Bull hat with your Rally Monte oh, Carlo yes. green jacket yeah, on. I do remember that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was bloody cold. Yeah, and it looks I like had it to too. do. Um, so the three of us all set out in this FX Holden. Um, I think it had about a ton of weight in the boot because we had carried everything. People laughed at us. All the spares, all, all the, the spares, mechanical, all the, all the tools, everything. Pretty much. You, you, you could go ring the RACV here. You are DIYing it if something goes wrong. Yep. And I've got to say thanks to Gibson Freight because they freighted the car and a Holden wagon over um, for the support vehicle. And literally we got over there, had no idea what was going on. We had base notes, um, didn't appreciate that um, – you leave Glasgow. I did the. I did all most of the night driving. So we drove from Glasgow to the base of England. Uh, COVID uh, no um, Dover. Mm-hmm. Got the ferry across to France, which is what they did back sixty years before we did. I think that's right. Dover and then Calais or Calais. Yeah, Dover. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yep. where you go. England. Yeah. Yep. Um, Still no sleep. So in that little run from Glasgow down there, we drove nonstop except for one because we did a wheel bearing. Well, so had to had to replace that in the middle of the night uh, in the snow. Um, so ultimately, we had wheel bearing problems because what happened is the owner of the car, who was um, the, one of the three drivers, it was Gary Paul. From, Gary Paul, from memory, yep. He widened the track of the FX, but didn't boot um, beef up the wheel bearings. So ah. the wheel bearings kept failing. So three on the tree. Um, and it was literally the, the run from Glasgow to, to Rims 
was just literally the pre-run. That <laughs> wasn't the that, that wasn't even the, the part of the rally. It was all from Rims down to Monte Carlo. Um, that, that was all, but it was all average speed stages. So you get to a stage, it could be like twenty-five kilometers, mm. could be forty kilometers, could be anything. So you'd have to run at that certain speed, and it wasn't one of those things where you could set off, blaze, and then sit at the end and wait because it had uh, interim. Timing. Oh yeah, yeah. So you they, couldn't they you couldn't cheat control. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then of course I remember at one stage there, Richard was um, really cranky, like really cranky because Gary kept telling me we're behind time, we're behind time. Richard, Richard was navigating. Gary's on the back. I'm driving, and I'm blazing through these single lane towns trying to make up time because Gary's trying to tell us we're behind time. Richard's going, no, we're not. Ultimately, we 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 beat the time because we were too fast, oh. so we weren't behind. Um, so we got penalised for that. Um, one of the one of the segments we're going over the Alps, like like way up in the hills. I I'd been relegated to the back because I did a couple of wheel bearings in my driving stint. It wasn't me. Um, so I'm in the back seat. Again, Richard was navigating. Gary's driving. We're going over the Alps, and literally, there's no armco, no thing. It was just literally a sheer drop down the side. Got ice and all this sort of stuff going on. Got to the end of the stage, and Richard. Was slumped. It sta- was he started off the stage sitting up. By the end, he was slumped. And Gary's like saying, "What's what's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter?" And like, talk to me. Like, what's going on? Richard goes, "How in the hell did not kill us?" Because he used to rush into a corner with the FX, and because he used to, he, he, Gary's got a hill climb one, so he's so used to rushing in with the FX with no power, and then literally barreling around a corner and that. And Richard turned to me at the end and said, "Why were you so so calm in the back seat?" I said, "Richard." I said I had one hand on the door handle, I had one hand on uh, one hand on the the clasp of the, of the seat belt. I said, as soon as we we're off the edge of the road, I was out of the car. <laughs> I said the whole stage, and he goes, "Yep, the whole stage. I was ready to jump." <laughs> and it was like, and then by the end of the end of the whole thing, we all hated each other. We spent like oh, Everyone's almost a tired, week, eight cranky, days, yeah, oh. in the car together, and we used to pull into checks <laughs> checkpoints, and all the French loved us. It's like oh, you got three, three, yeah, there's three of us. Mm. No, you're on two. No, three of us, <laughs> and we had no roll cage. All we had was seat belt harnesses, so we didn't have the old lap, lap sash. We had proper seat belts, but no roll cage, no no helmets, no nothing. <laughs> And the other point of the story was really funny because when, when we were at Glasgow and we were doing the black tie dinner, Richard was reading out a, an extract of his father of when they did it 60 years ago, basically saying the end of each stage there was canapes on these big long trestles, there was champagne and all this, and then we'd get back in the car and we'd do the next stage. And this would, this would go on all the way through. Bugger me, once we got to rims, exactly the same. Oh really? All canapes, oh, nice. long trestle. This was worthwhile sh- then. Champagne, like, and it's like, who's driving next? Not me. No, no, no. I'll have another one. <laughs> I've already had too many. But yes, that was that was fun. Love it. And that's something really unique, really mm. unique, really cool to do. Big project, big project. Oh, massive. Together. As I said, thanks to, to Gibson Freight because they freighted all the cars and that over mm. for us to help uh, help the cost. Last question, Shannon Lambert. Hypothetical. I'm not normally much of a hypothetical guy, but I don't mind this one. You win two more Bathurst one thousands. Do you go for 10 or retire on nine equal with PB? Depends on how long it takes me to get the next two. <laughs> if it takes me another five years, I'll probably be happy to retire. <laughs> uh, well, if Jamie hadn't a bucket, uh, sorry, um, I might have already had no. Um, there's another story for you. Um, 
that was when like la- um, last year, you know, two years ago when he when Brody when he went around the outside mm. of Brody, and I was actually in the transporter getting changed because I'd done my stint getting changed. Physio was seeing me. Lara was in the in the transporter with the cans on, listening to what's going on, and she just said, "Safety car's been deployed. Safety cars." I said, "Yes, gives us a chance to catch up." It's your car. Mm. I'm like, oh. And then I'm thinking, oh, Jamie, that's right. He's probably just glanced a wall. It'll be fine. Get it back. Fix it. Get back out there. And then I, I rushed. So I got up, rushed back into the garage and went, okay. That's day, not Tom. a glance. That's not a glance. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, uh, look, I don't know. Um, it's hypothetical. Yeah. Remember, Mark Taylor got to like 3.34 and matched Sir Donald Bradman and retired, I think, at a test match overseas because he went, I don't want to go past. I just want to mm. get two. But, hey, if you get to nine, oh, that's, doing right. that's, that's good. That's well, really can, I, can I do what Brock did and, and count his wins in his sister car? Yeah, yeah, they were legit. They were, well, they then were can really I count deal. the 12-hour wins? Yeah, but he won a 24-hour too, remember? So that's double two. So he's at 10. Hours. Yeah. Okay. So he's, it puts me nine. Yeah, yeah, that gets you. Yeah. Bathurst endurance wins <laughs> in inverted brackets. We'll, we'll get you to I 10. I love these stories, we'll, yeah. We'll get you to 10. It's hypothetical, yeah, but yeah, we got yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could get you there anyway. <laughs> hey, quick one. You've done plenty of top 10 shootouts. You've topped them heaps of times. You've got heaps of those armour all pole checks from over the years. We do a top 10 shootout too. Yep. Word association. Mm-hmm. I say some things. Give me the first thing that comes into your head here. You can have two words, three words if you need to, but you can't use the same word for different things. Okay. Okay. Roland Dane. Smart. Jamie Winkup. Um, uh, uh, routine. He's a big routine guy, isn't he? Yes. Bathurst. Awesome. Peter Brock. Miss him. Scafy. Don't miss him. <laughs> See him too many weekends in here. <laughs> Helmet, oh, Helmet Marco. Helmet Marco. Ooh. Um, uh, what was uh, I'll think of a word. Um, uh, torturous. Jeff Pilates. Good friend. Jeff Grape. Oh, can't use the same word, can I? No. And then when I say good friend, he was a good friend. Um, Jeff Pilates. Um, Who did Jeff Pilates? Jeff Grape. Yeah, I know, but I was just oh, clarifying. Yeah, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarifying. He can't, he can't yeah, say yeah, that. Uh, uh, um, Jeff Grape. Um, uh, gave him my start. Start. Hmm? That's the word, start. Start. There you go. Uh, Chaz Boston. Lunatic. <laughs> Scott McLaughlin. Um, impressive. That's 10. Ah. Made it through. There you go. You, you worked hard for that one. You were really up and about in the chair to get through that. Well played. Well played. <laughs> most, most of the time people get really worried when I launch that one on them at the very end. Mate, we've covered a bit of ground. We've covered a bit of everything. Uh, hopefully it's been enjoyable for you as it has been for me. We've covered off a, a bunch of stuff that perhaps you don't get asked often about in, in more recent times and stuff like that. So... Thanks for sitting down. I know our listeners are really thrilled that we finally managed to get you onto the pod and have a good old chit-chat about a, a whole pile of stuff. All the best for Bathurst this year, that 300th championship round. It's amazing stuff to you and Declan and Triple Eight with this wild card. Look forward to seeing how it all unfolds and I reckon you've got a few more left in you every October. So keep that diary open. So I reckon there's a few more left. I hope so. We'll see what happens. But as I said, Deco's <coughs> he's pumped. Roland's extremely pumped. I've got to lose about five kilos. We'll be good. You'll be fine. See you. Thanks for sitting down. Cheers. Craig Lowndes on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Lots of great stories this week and last week. I hope you've enjoyed this two-part episode with the seven-time Bathurst 1000 winner who is going to achieve some history at Bathurst. Uh, 300 championship rounds is a, a stunning number. No one has achieved it. He is the right person to be the first to get there at the mountain this year, of course, October the 9th. 
is the Repco Bathurst 1000. We'll be there with a full team on the ground, plenty of coverage on the V8 Sleuth website. Uh, we will have a full week of V8 Sleuth podcast. We'll have some special episodes to start, to start the week on the Monday and Tuesday, and then every day from Wednesday to Sunday, you'll get an update from the track on the pod right throughout the course of the week. So if you can't watch on TV or if you're, you're travelling or if you're not keeping up to speed with what's happening, particularly in those early days of practice and qualifying, we've got you covered with the latest and greatest. We'll have the full V8 Sleuth team on the mountain this year. It's going to be an absolute humdinger. Now, next week on the pod, uh, it's our all singing, all dancing, you just can't see it, Repco Bathurst 1000 preview podcast. Will Dale and I are going to run the ruler right over the whole field, tackle the burning questions heading into the great race, answer your questions, and a whole heap more as well. Don't miss it. Our Repco Bathurst 1000 preview app next week on the pod. Every Tuesday, Castrol Motorsport News Podcast, end of every week, Repco Supercars Weekly, the Motorsport Podcast Network has you covered for your motorsport podcast needs every week. Right, that's it. We're done. Thanks for tuning in. Tell all your mates about the pod. We're on the countdown to the great race in October at the mountain. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to see you all. We will chat to you again very soon. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil, and find out.